This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's Hockey Central on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. I'm Haley Salvian here with you for the next hour. No Logan Gordon today. And uh, we were going to do our Tuesday Pat chat on Tuesday, today on Wednesday, but no Pat Steinberg today. Instead, we're going to have Julian McKenzie. He's going to join us here shortly. He's the new Calgary Flames beat writer at The Athletic. And then we're going to be joined by Steve Conroy from the Boston Herald to tee up Flames Bruins on Thursday night. We're going to look ahead to that. Mike Riley was one of the players on waivers this afternoon. Looks like that could be a move to clear cap space to let somebody like Charlie McAvoy back onto the active roster. He practiced today with the Bruins, was skating with Hampus Lindholm. Jim Montgomery, after practice, would not confirm or deny that McAvoy is going to play on Thursday night against the Flames. But he also said Marchand wouldn't play a few weeks back. He said he's not going to play tomorrow or the next day. And then and then he did. So maybe we've got another sneaky taking a guy off LTIR move here. It's not really sneaky because Mike Riley's on waivers. And <laughs> that's an obvious cap space maneuver by the Bruins. Um, so we will maybe get more information tomorrow at morning skate from the Boston Bruins of Charlie McAvoy is going to be on the active roster against the Flames on Thursday. But that's a top-of-mind note from Boston Bruins practice that just ended an hour or so ago. So we'll talk to Steve a little bit more about that. A couple games around the league last night. Toronto Maple Leafs lose to the Vegas Golden Knights in overtime. Vegas has really started to separate themselves early already. I mean, they've got 24 points. They're 12 and two. They've won eight straight games. They are number one in the league. You've got to scroll pretty far down to get to the Calgary Flames, who are now 5 5 and 2, 12 points, 21st in the National Hockey League. It's early. I know it's very early. I struggle with the is it too soon to panic question that is more frequently being discussed. With the Calgary Flames, I feel like every time I ask that question, everyone's temperature starts to change. So maybe let us know on the text line 960-960, are you starting to worry? Is it too early to panic about the Flames or is it time? Are you worried? Is it starting to get late in Calgary already? I don't think so. I think that if you look around the league, there's a lot of teams Really good teams that don't look very good right now. A lot of teams, a lot of us thought, weren't very good, doing very well. I just think it's too soon to write off or crown anybody. I saw Mike Rupp was talking about something similar, former member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's now an analyst for NHL Network, and he kind of said, it's too early again to write off or crown anyone right now, and I'm with him. That's kind of where I stand right now. I mean, the Flames have played, what, 12 games a season? Vegas Golden Knights have played 14. Sure, we're almost a month in, but who knows what can happen. But I do think we all need to say, like, they, <laughs> you need to start seeing some improvement from Calgary sooner rather than later. But uh, let's go to the Atlas Pizza Hotline we've got Julian McKenzie on the line. We'll talk a bit more about the Flames, maybe look around the league a little bit because we've got a bunch of time 
with Julian. Let's go there now. Julian, what's up? How's it going? Things are good. Things are good. How are you doing, Haley? Good. Good. It's, uh, you know, I feel like I'm starting to get into, like, season game shape, you know, like, early in the year. I'm, like, really tired because I'm staying up late watching all the late games and getting up and, and going to the rink and going to morning skates. I think it takes an adjustment. I'm, like, the, the new members of the yeah. Calgary Flames. I'm taking my time to get acclimated to the new season. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm just lazy. Yeah. I like to sleep a lot, so I'm having a hard time. I I think, like, the fact that, like, I'm on Mountain Time now and what are supposed to be late games are actually at a reasonable hour, mm -hmm. that's, like, that's, like, the best thing about moving out here. And that goes for, like, just about yeah. any sport, really. Like, I could watch, Sundays like, a Monday best. Night Football game. Sundays, Sundays are, are amazing. the best the best in Calgary. Like, mountain time is the superior sport watching time zone. Uh, in Absolutely. my opinion. Like, no, I no, I, I, I agree with that. That is, like, the fact that you could watch, whether it's Monday, whether it's Sunday Night Football, whether it's a late NHL game, NBA, it doesn't matter. And mm -hmm. a game that you would think is on the West Coast, that's supposed to be out, like, super late if you're on Eastern time. I can mm -hmm. go to bed like 10, 30, 11 o'clock. It's like, I already watched the thing. I can wake yeah. up at a decent hour. I can get eight hours of sleep. I yeah. feel good. Just wait until the playoffs and puck drop on the Flames games is at like 8.30. <laughs> You're not feeling fresh anymore. That was Oof. the worst. Some of the start times last season in the playoffs were horrible. Nobody liked it. Certainly not Daryl. Daryl had a couple moments talking about, oh, I hate these late starts. They were terrible. Way too late. You're writing late. You got to be at the rink the next morning. Anyways, I'm with you though. Yeah. Mountain time's the best. Sundays, Sunday football in Calgary, it's it's the best, man. Because like, and I've said this before, <laughs> Pacific time is just a little bit too early, a little bit too soon. I don't want to watch football at 9 a.m. or 10 because I want like a, just a couple hours to get some things done. I want to walk my dog. I want to go get some groceries. Maybe maybe do a little morning workout and then I sit for the rest of time. <laughs> I'd rather just be in bed. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. Yeah, that's you. Straight yeah. up. Yeah, absolutely. So we've asked uh, people to join in on text line 960, 960. It's early. We know that. We're about a month into the season. I don't know if you heard, but to me, I don't think it's – I don't think we're at the point where we should be writing teams off or, or saying, wow, this – you know, wow, the Flames are really bad. They're toast. Or, wow, the Seattle Kraken are actually really good this year. Wow, Buffalo Sabres are going to make the playoffs. I think it's too soon. But in your opinion, from what you've seen with the Calgary Flames, is it too early to start to be worried about some of the things that we're seeing? Um, I think it's too early to write off the Flames completely and say that they're a team that is not going to be able to compete when it matters. I still think that the bones are good with this team in terms of the way that they're built. And I think for when it comes time for the playoffs, I, I still kind of hold out. I don't want to say hope, but maybe I'll, when my brain works a little better, I'll think of another better word for hope. But I still think the way that they're constructed can still get them some wins. I still think they might need to be a little faster in some areas. I think they look really slow in the, against really fast teams like a Buffalo or Seattle, right. but I still mm -hmm. think when you really look at the construction of this team, I still think they have what it takes to to be considered as a as a legit team. But I also think, 
you have every right to be concerned about the fact that they can't hold on to leads and find themselves in situations where if they start off pretty well, the other team applies so much pressure and they can't, uh, they can't, they can't withstand that. I, I think you have every right to feel uh, that there are some concerning elements to this team, especially with the way that they started. This is a team that went off to its best start in franchise history and has now uh, is now winless in its last six games. Like, I think you have every right to feel, you know, there's some concerns here and there and, and health too is a whole other thing, right? Christopher Tanev being day-to-day, Jonathan Huberto and his injury concerns too. Like you have every right to feel like, oh, something's not right in Calgary, but we're 12 games in. I, I I don't think it's right to get to a point where you feel, oh man, like this team is completely to be written off for. But I think you have every right to feel concerned about certain specific things. When I look at some of the underlying numbers and, and some just basic stats, as well as just watching this team, I think there are things that are concerning, like legitimately concerning about the Flames, not just kind of nitpicks. I think we're at the point now where we're not just nitpicking a team that's really good as we were maybe doing when they won their first they had that franchise start to the season. Um, there was a couple things where like, oh, well, they could be better here and they could be better here. Now those things are still happening and the results aren't there. Um, they're losing hockey games. This is a team that had one of the best goal differentials in the league last season. Through 12 games, they're a minus three. The goaltending has not been as expected. And so far, the chemistry is not there. You've got guys who haven't been able to kind of put it together at five and five. Huberto is the one that everyone's been talking about, and he is day-to-day right now. But, I mean, Andrew Mangiapane hasn't looked great. Dylan Dubé hasn't been as effective as, as he was in the first couple games of the season. I think the Flames we saw in the first five-game segment and the Flames that we've seen in the last six or seven games are completely different teams. And... And it's not just that the results aren't there. I think you're just seeing like they're a little, maybe a bit slower. They're not clicking as well. Things aren't, things just aren't really working right now. And it's difficult on the outside talking about us in the media, people watching the press box, people watching from home. It's difficult to think, okay, what happened? Is this just still early season stuff? They're still working through things. It's uh, they look like a different team right now. And you've got to wonder what is it? Is it just one gritty win where they hold on to the lead and things start to turn around. They, they, you know, take one win and use that as a jumping off point to get things back on track. I don't know. Yeah. Um, a win of any kind, I think for this team, they <laughs> and just not just need a point. We don't, we're not talking win. a loser point here, a win, no, <laughs> win a game in regulation, no, like, get the lead and yeah. keep it and win the hockey game. You know what? I, like, I get the loser point is a loser point. It's there. But I really just think a win in any fashion just helps this team. And at this point, if they get it, and if they comes against a team like Boston on, on Thursday, tomorrow, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, it's funny because like the Calgary Flames, not only did they get off to that good start, think of the teams they beat to get to that start, right? Colorado, mm-hmm. Vegas. Uh, Edmonton is in that as well. Pit, I mean, Pittsburgh's kind of fallen off as of late, but Pittsburgh is the last team mm-hmm. they beat to get there. They beat some really good teams to yeah. get to that good start. If they find a way to beat the Boston Bruins with the roster that they have, what do we say about the Calgary Flames then? Is it a question of saying, oh, they play up to... I don't know if it's a situation you say they play up to their competition, they play down to their competition, but 
I, I, I get a little confused because it's like, oh, they found ways to beat these good teams. But that's if they beat Boston. And we saw the Toronto Maple Leafs obviously kind of bust their funk or get the rust off or whatever it may be against the Boston Bruins. They had that really great game on the road against Boston and then a really good game against Carolina. And then they lose to Vegas last night. But we've already kind of seen what teams that are kind of in a funk or a slump can do. Like we know it's not impossible. Toronto, the sky was falling. <laughs> the Toronto, everyone's talking about yeah. Mitch Marner and Sheldon Keep needs to get fired. Enough with Kyle Dubas. Sky is falling. Sky is falling. And then they go into Boston on the road and beat the Bruins. Or I guess that was at home. And then they went on the road to Carolina. So they're on a back to back. They beat the Bruins, and then they go to Carolina on the road and win that game as well. So we know that it's not impossible for a team who's having problems to go and beat the Boston Bruins. The one question is, are we going to see Charlie McAvoy on Thursday night? All signs maybe point to that being a possibility. Um, so they're getting back to full health, and they already had a really good start. But I, I guess the question for you too, Julian, is, is you know, Jonathan Huberto didn't play yesterday. He was listed as day-to-day with an upper body injury. Then we heard from Daryl that he couldn't get his foot in a skate. So... <laughs> Maybe this is an unfair question to ask you. What's happening with Jonathan Huberto? What's going on? It's dude, man. <laughs> this this this, Sorry. this has become this. No, no, no. I think it's a totally fair discussion topic, and I'm just as confused as you because first we see you know he can't play like minutes before uh, the last game. And then we see these reports flying around. They're like, oh, he was spotted wearing this walking cast. And 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 then we hear other people get on and be like, oh, well, uh, what about that time Daryl mentioned that he had to go to the bathroom that one game? There just always oh seems to gosh. be something when it comes to Jonathan Huberdeau, a guy who, remember, Daryl Sutter called him like the best passer this organization has ever seen. And <laughs> this is not a guy who's not going into games. He's not trying. Like he's he's. Look, he, I think he is trying. I think he's trying to make things happen offensively. It just hasn't clicked. And, and even that game against the Islanders where he he sets up Michael Backlund for that play uh, that leads to a goal. He screens Ilya Sororkin that leads to another goal. Like that should have been an opportunity for Jonathan Huberdeau to build upon that. And then he looked really good against on Islanders. this roof. He did. And like there was an opportunity for him to build off that. And then these injuries all just kind of happen all at once. Like it's, it, it, it man, I, I, it's a bit of a frustrating time. I can imagine for, for Jonathan who was already, you know, at least talking to us in the media, really thinking about the fact that he has to shoot more and not just be this pass first guy and just trying to contribute to this team. Also a new guy on this team, right? Still trying to embed himself in the culture of everything here. Like it, it's really frustrating and it is really difficult to explain why Jonathan Huberto is going through what he's going through. I can't, I mean, right now we can tell he's not at a hundred percent. It's been, I can imagine for him, it's been frustrating. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things we need to maybe consider when discussing Huberto and maybe what's not working or what we're seeing from him. I was guilty of this. I think you look at Huberto and you think, you know, this is the closest approximation to, you know, the, the skilled passing left winger Johnny Gaudreau archetype, right? Jonathan Huberto, that's a natural, it's a natural fit. Top line left winger. He can make plays. It makes sense. This is the closest you're going to get to Johnny 
on the top line without actually having Johnny. And I think the problem with that is they're, they both create in different ways. And I think it's maybe been an adjustment to watching that because the way that Johnny Gaudreau makes plays, I mean, he's one of the best players in the league in transition in terms of controlled zone entries and getting into the offensive zone and making a play. Um, whereas with Huberto, we see that he's not necessarily the guy in transition. He's not maybe the one who's pushing the puck up ice, but he's the guy who's making the, wow, how did he see that play? And that's a different kind of, of playmaking. One of them is really good in transition and one does to have the eyes in the back of their head, but it's, it's a little bit different. And I think maybe that's one of the things where that top line now looks a little bit slower and they're not spending as much time in the ozone or they're not doing as much. Uh, they're not producing as much at five on five because the top lines that they've been working with haven't necessarily had that play driver, that guy who can push the pace, push the puck up ice, get into the zone and make a play. Whereas Huberto's, you know, an incredible passer. He's an incredible playmaker. He's got great vision and creativity, but he's not necessarily the same as Johnny in terms of getting into the offensive zone with speed and control. And I think that's something we're maybe seeing that is lacking with the top line specifically. That's a good point. And with that, that puts so much pressure on guys like Elias Lindholm and, and Nazem Kadri to to drive that play and ultimately put that top line in, in good positions to to produce. I still think, though, just with the makeup of everything, like I think I think Huberto's a, still a good player and you can tell he's still trying to make things work. Uh, you just need to find the right composition of players just to to play with him, it looks like. And if it really is just that they need the perfect play driver to play alongside him, you're going to have to figure it out between Lindholm and and, and, and Kadri at this point. Mm-hmm. Just uh, looking at the text line here, 960-960, if you want to join in on the conversation. Huberto played in a run-and-gun type of offense in Florida compared to a Sutter system in Calgary. That's absolutely true. I think we've talked about that, that a lot on this show with you, Julian, with other guests specifically. I mean, the adjustment from a team that is so big on offense to a Sutter system that's a big defensive structure, puck possession, five-on-five team, that is an adjustment as well. There is a learning curve that comes from just going and being able to cook and do whatever and run and gun and just hope the defense does their thing to being, you know, reliable and, and, you know, focused on both sides of the puck is very different. So that's something we need to consider with this kind of transition that we're talking about with guys like Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Wieger. I want to talk a little bit about the game last night. Julian Nico Heischer Mm -hmm. gets the game winning goal for the devils. They stay red hot. Jacob Markstrom gets the start on the back to back. He loses again. Calgary flames lose again. So what did you make of, of last night? Man, just (laughs) that third period goal from Nico Heischer. I felt that kind of ultimately, and I know they they got the flurry near the end, but that was just such another backbreaking moment to see. Just this team really wanted to, at least if you listen to Blake Coleman's comments about it before they went on that road trip, I think that this team realized that, you know, they had played at home for so long and they wanted to, you know, to get themselves a bit of a change of scenery and to go out and play games on the road just so they could kind of, you know, take that opportunity to come together. We, we talk a lot about chemistry, but a lot of those road trips for, for those guys are where a lot of those guys kind of come together and 
we saw them play well against the Islanders. We saw them play well for stretches of time against the, the Devils too. It's just, they, they just couldn't finish. It just the, especially in the case of the Devils, just the younger, faster, hungrier team at different points that was just able to kind of overwhelm them. Uh, it's just very frustrating just to, to see on that point, especially because when you consider the Flames actually looked like they were getting themselves going on the power play. They got two power play goals in that game. This is a team that hadn't scored on the power play since the last time they won a game against Pittsburgh, and Jonathan Huberto scored that goal. I think mm-hmm. there were there was another one of those games where the Flames were showing, you know, things that you would like that you'd like to see. Tyler Toffoli getting on the score sheet, Nassim Kadri get him getting himself going. Uh, and I, I think Jacob Markstrom. Uh, you're making the point about goaltending not necessarily being up to par. I think you make a point when you consider how some of the games have gone. But I have a hard time faulting Jacob Markstrom for a lot of these losses in this stretch. Yes, there are there are lapses and and goals he should definitely have back. You think of that Edmonton game, um, maybe even the Heischer goal, he probably could have been a little better on. But I also think that there have been some moments, especially in that first period against the Devils, where, where Jacob Markstrom held up the fort and did what he could to keep, to keep his team in it. I, I don't think he should take all the blame for how these last few games have gone, and I really feel he's been better as the season has gone on. He, this guy who was battling illness in the first week of the season, and he's since gotten himself to a point where he's getting better and better in games. It's just a lapse, uh, whether from him or in the defensive zone as well, the, the turnovers that some of those guys are creating too, that also does not help his case as well. It, I, I'll, I'll just, I know a side, I know I've kind of gone on the side tangent with, with Jacob Markstrom, <laughs> okay. but I, I feel as if that I feel it's important to mention with him, a guy who we all know is still trying to, get himself to a point where he's he's forgotten about that playoff series that went as bad as it did uh, this past spring and is trying to get to his A game. And I, and I feel, and I genuinely feel he's, he's getting to that point. It's just the wins aren't coming for him right now and, and for this Calgary Flames team. Uh, it's tough for me because I, I've seen what Vesna caliber Jacob Markstrom looks like, and this is not it. And it's, this is one of the things when you look at the Flames, I mean, he's making $6 million to be the guy and I understand that sometimes it takes time for guys to shake things off or or start clicking. I mean, this time last year, Markstrom had, you know, a handful of shutouts already and, and was looking like, you know, a Vesna caliber goalie early on the season. And he carried that with him for most of the year. So I struggle with that. I don't think we're seeing anywhere close to Markstrom's best. I think when you look at, you know, goals saved above expected he's only at 0.46 so he's not and when you look at some of the best goalies in the league I mean they're they're carrying their team Ilya Sorokin who we saw the other day he's saving 11.7 goals above expected meaning sure the defense of the Islanders is giving up quite a bit but Sorokin shutting the door he's making that save he's being the guy I think the Flames need that from Jacob Markstrom, he's supposed to be that guy. He was that guy last year. He was the guy. He was that guy the year before when there was a ton of issues for the Calgary Flames on the ice. Um, and this is speaking before Jeff Ward got fired that season. I mean, there were so many nights where Jacob Markstrom was the massive band-aid over what was going wrong in Calgary, and we just haven't really seen that level yet. I think. I think we can be understanding and know that things are going wrong and a lot of things have to go wrong before a goalie faces a high danger chance against. And some of those opportunities that Markstrom is letting in are high danger chances that are difficult to stop. But I think you, I think it's hard to win hockey games when you're getting below 900 
goaltending, and that is what they're getting right now. Jacob Markstrom has an 893 save percentage through his first 10 starts. He's 4-3-2. He's allowed 28 goals against, and he has almost a 3 goals against average. And his last win in regulation was against the Pittsburgh Penguins on October 25th, so well over a week ago. It's not great. It's not great. <laughs> I, we can oh, be understanding, it's but it's not good. Not good. <laughs> it's, it's not good at all. But at the same time, Jacob Markstrom, I mean, he can only do so much when his team goes 10 minutes without getting a shot on net. Or mm-hmm, yep. even in that Pittsburgh game, they had 20 shots on net uh, in mm-hmm. that win. He was still able to get. He got 20 shots in that second period, 21 shots, and they still found a way to win. It's a that good point. Game. I can I can say you can't win with like 900 sub 900 goaltending, but at the same time, you need a little bit more run support. And the Flames' shooting yeah. percentage right now in all situations is is among the worst in the league. Like they are missing the net, they are getting stopped, pucks are getting deflected. Like the Flames' shooting percentage. Is I round? They're giving away pucks in their zone too. Yeah, yeah. Their shooting percentage right now in all situations is eight point three five percent, which is twenty mm, eighth in the league, twenty sixth in the league. It's among the worst. <laughs> Not good. Like, like uh, I'm with you on the fact Jacob Markstrom should be better. And the save percentage, not there. The goals against, not there. Like, he he can be better. You make a very good point. And then I agree with you. But you mentioned Andrew Medjapane earlier. Him and Dylan Dubé, they've gone like six games without points. And those are guys who should be a lot faster and a lot better on this team. We mentioned that how they're, the health of this team with Tanev not being at 100%. Michael Stone being on IR. I think there's a lot to be concerned about with this team. And I don't think it should just all fall on Jacob Markstrom, who fine, not playing his absolute best, but I still think he's playing better than what he played at the beginning of this year. Just there's a lot, or at least there's a lot, it's a lot more than just saying, you know what? They're not getting sufficient goaltending from, from Jacob Markstrom. I think it's just a myriad of different problems. You're right. There's a lot of different things maybe going wrong at different times. The flames. I'm a bit more bullish when a guy is making, for lack of a better term, the big boy money, $6 million, it's one of the highest paid goalies in the league. Mm-hmm. I don't give as much time to figure things out when that's the case. Maybe I'm just being a bit bullish. Maybe I'm being a bit crabby today. It's fine. You had a story come out on debate. The Athletic. <laughs> it is a good debate. It's good. It's radio fodder is what, is what it is for us today. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you had a story on The Athletic today julian about team chemistry and how that stuff kind of comes together and i think this folds in well with the conversation that we're having about jonathan huberto about mackenzie Weger, and again another note from the text line people keep forgetting that Kadro and kachuk weren't in successes successes excuse me under daryl sutter either they needed a 30 game runway to build their defensive games from the first partial season under sutter you are right that's from jose you're right they had that half season like everybody had that bit of a, a 30 game stint with Daryl Sutter. And then Daryl had the exit meetings, told everyone what to work on. They came back next year and things looked really good. So lots of things are different here. Uh, but Julian, you had a story on the athletic, the revamp flames are still building their chemistry. You spoke to some former NHLers. You had Daniel Breer, you had Colby Armstrong, who's one of my favorite people. Colby is awesome. What did you learn talking to them about maybe what some of these guys are going through right now? Um, just that if you have a good set of leaders 
even if they're among your new guys who are trying to help keep things together, that goes a long way to getting everyone together. And just the fact that, you know, you keep guys together. There's a really interesting quote I found from Colby, and I would like to kind of confirm for myself what it's like in the Calgary room, where Colby talks about how his guys in Pittsburgh would come together and go to this one spot called Bossa Nova in, in, in Pittsburgh. It's just this like kind of lounge kind of club bar spot. And it's about maybe six minutes away from where the old civic arena it was. I think the, the new arena they have now is not too far from there either, but it's not that far. And like, it's in this like cultural district and late at night, like that's pretty much the only thing that's open, but they would all just go there. They'd have, even have their families kind of go with them too. Like that was the spot where all those guys would kind of hang out and, and, and come together. And he tried to make the point with me that, you know, nowadays you see in locker rooms, because teams have their own personal chefs around and they make food and stuff, guys could just kind of go and get their food. They kind of hang around the locker room. They could just go home. And he kind of lamented the fact that there's this kind of lack of togetherness with certain with NHLers now because of the fact that they have those resources where they don't have to let their guys necessarily go out and wander around to get food. And maybe it's a little different on road games. I'm not sure. But I think he was just trying to make the point that guys don't necessarily hang out with each other in the same way that they did before. And again, right. I, I would need to confirm that for myself with with how the Flames kind of go about things. I know Trevor Lewis was trying to tell me that the, that the group in Calgary is pretty tight and they do everything they can to come together. But to the point I was trying to make early about road games, like these are the games where, you know, you're away from home. The only people you're really around are, are your own teammates. Like that's the opportunity for you to get to know your guys a little bit more. And for guys like Uyghur, Uberdo and, and, and Kadri, like this is an opportunity for them to, to, to kind of do that. Is Nazem Kadri going to start playing Monopoly on the, on the team playing with a few guys? Like he did it with Borkowski <laughs> and, and Colorado, but like that was the opportunity for him to, to do it. But essentially just having leaders and having uh, just togetherness and just being together. That's ultimately the biggest way to, to gain chemistry. And also I mentioned in the story too, uh, Briere's Flyers, that 07-08 team, uh, they were the worst team in the NHL the year before. They add all these guys like Briere and, and Timonen and Scott Hartnell and Jason Smith, and they go on like a 10-game losing streak in February. Like, like people are wondering whether we should freak out about a six-game winless streak here. The Flyers lost 10 in a row in February, and they still went on to the conference final. And Briere was telling me that some of those guys weren't even necessarily all that worried. I'm sure maybe they, in, in the moment, they probably felt a few different things, but ultimately they, they weathered that storm and they found a way into the playoffs and they did it. So it's entirely possible for teams to have gone through a whole bunch of turnover, realized they need to do things to come together to do that and actually see success. So yeah, that's what I was hoping to, to kind of convey through the story I wrote. Mm -hmm. I think you did. I think it was good. I think it's always nice when you can get Thank you. the opinions of guys who have been there, done that. <laughs> That's the that's the value of having guys like Colby working at, at Sportsnet or at AT&T Sportsnet doing Penguin stuff, having guys who have who've been in the room. Um, I, I just think getting their opinion and their look at things is is very valuable, especially for guys who have been traded or free agents, et cetera. They know what it's like to have a room where they're close, like Pittsburgh, and they know what it's like to go in somewhere different and have to try to adjust to it. So I've opened up the text line again, 960, 960, you know, someone didn't like that. I was blaming Markstrom. I've got to say, I'm not blaming Jacob Markstrom. I just think we can all see that Markstrom is not playing at the level that we are used to. And that is a problem. I'm not blaming him. 
I don't think there's one everyone, person to blame right everyone now. Everyone could be better. You know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're, they've lost six straight. <laughs> everyone could be better. Everyone can be better. Yep. I'm not going to sit here and, and sing praise. I mean, maybe there's maybe there's some guys who could get it, but I'm not blaming an individual person here. You can't say that this is all Jacob Markstrom. It's just, I think anyone who's watched in the last two years, I mean, he was second in Vesna voting last year. We're not seeing that level right now. We're not. And that's okay. I mean, it's not okay because we're losing games, but I think it's okay to say that. I think it's okay to acknowledge that guys can be better. We're not trying to be, I'm not trying to be negative. There's a lot I mean, of things to, to go around. There's a lot of things that need to be better, obviously, when we're talking about a Flames team that sits 5-5-2. Five, five, and two. So, Man, we could also say, too, 12 games in, 70 more games to go. There's a lot of time for this Flames team to get themselves right back onto the right track and mm-hmm. to turn themselves into a playoff team. There's a lot of time for that, and people should remember that. Like, I, I don't – it's way too early for me to – uh, just say like, oh man, panic button time. This is this is not a good losing streak. This is not a good set of hockey. They're under some pretty precarious situations. But uh, as we say in French, on se calme. Let's let's calm down. It's okay. <laughs> they can get out of this. Those guys, those same guys, will say they've they've they they have all these guys in the locker room who've gone through roller coaster seasons before. They've seen the ups and downs. Blah blah blah. Like no, nah, they they they'll figure this out. It's on them to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I think we just have to go back to think of everything we were talking about in the summer, everything that we know about this team on paper. It hasn't translated yet, but there is still a chance that it could. There's there's talent, there's skill here. There's a really good number one goalie. There is a backup goalie who who we know can get the job done in Dan Vladar. We know that Jacob Markstrom, when he's on his game, is one of the best goalies in the league. We know Nazem Kadri is good. Lias Lindholm scored 42 goals last year. Andrew Mangiapane's good. Mm-hmm. We are seeing these guys. They are not there right now, but we're not saying they're never going to get there. So things can change. They've got time. It's very early in the season. Again, let us know on the text line 960-960 if you're worried, but I'm not. I think we can acknowledge that there's issues right now, but I'm not saying I'm I'm not at the point right now where I'm worried about the Calgary Flames in the long term. So thanks, Julian. Holla at me in a month. Yeah, yeah. We'll do this again. <laughs> All right. Let's do this. Thanks Peace. for your time. Talk to you again. There goes Julian McKenzie on the Atlas Pizza Hotline. That chat was brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner. For takeout or delivery, call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Again, we've opened up the text line here. Some conversations. Gord from Calgary says, even though it's a small sample size, Ladar has yet to impress either. The backup goalie needs to push the starter to be better. Another comment here. Fans need to calm down. I understand it's frustrating, not winning, but this team has gone through a transition and it's a process. I believe they will get out of this funk and this adversity will be beneficial in the long run. That's been a big conversation point lately is the Flames didn't really have a ton of adversity last season and then they faced a lot of it when it mattered most in the playoffs. So maybe there's something to be said about being battle tested this time around and having the experience of, of getting through this stretch. All right, we're going to take a break 
And after the break, we're going to go back to the Atlas Pizza Hotline and talk to Steve Conroy from the Boston Herald and tee up a bit more of the Flames versus Bruins game that's coming on Thursday night. That's coming up next on Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the program. We're going to go right back to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. We've got Steve Conroy from the Boston Herald on the line. We're going to talk about the Bruins, what's clicking so well on their 11-2-0 start to the season. They're going to be playing against the Calgary Flames on Thursday night. So, hey, Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for making the time. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Haley. I, uh, yeah, it's it's great to have you. I mean, before we get to the on ice, you know, I know there's been a lot going on in Boston with the Bruins right now with, with Mitchell Miller, with Isaiah Meyer-Cruthers, and we saw today that the HDA put out a statement on Isaiah's behalf, or it was a statement from Isaiah in his words that they – released i mean can you just give us a sense of of what things are like with this group right now uh off the ice well i mean as far as the players go it seems like they're back back to normal it was i wasn't in toronto with the team over the weekend um but i mean it was definitely a distraction for them then uh, in toronto not saying that that had an effect on the outcome of that game, but, you know, it was definitely something that they had to deal with. And, and a lot of the players spoke up and spoke very eloquently of, of how they felt about it. And, you know, now that, you know, they, they still have to figure out how to terminate this contract. Uh, but, you know, I, I believe that the players are kind of getting back to, to, you know, life as, as normal. Mm-hmm. I think the we, we saw, you know, maybe he's going to, maybe they're going to put him on waivers for purpose of terminating the contract, but there's also a ton of NHL PA uh, stuff going on there. So we yeah, haven't gotten any yeah. update in that regard yet, right? No, not, not yet. All right. So, uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a tough situation, you know, uh, you know, there, there two major mistakes um, was, they didn't include the family in, in the, the vetting process, you know, whether that was a, a conscious decision or an oversight. And they, they, they badly misread how it would be received by their fandom and in their own room. Um, and, and that was ultimately what made them decide to, to reverse course a, a little more than, you know, 48 hours after they signed them. So I want to get on the ice here with you while we have you on the line, Steve. Mike Riley was put on waivers this afternoon. Looks like there's some mm-hmm. signs, maybe some boxes being checked. We could potentially be seeing Charlie McAvoy play on Thursday. I know uh, Jim Montgomery was doing the, you know, he's not going to confirm or deny, but we also kind of heard yeah. that Brad Marchand wasn't going to play, uh, and then he played the very next day. So what what do you got? What right. do you think? Do you think we're going to see Charlie yeah, McAvoy on Thursday? I think we will. Yeah, I mean the uh, the Mike Riley going on waivers probably the, was the, the last and most telling sign that 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 is going to happen. You know, he took the first line shift with Hampus Lindholm, um, and then at the end of the practice, he got in the middle of the the center stretch, and you know what that usually means. You know, he got the, all the hugs after the practice and everything. So it certainly looks like he's going to be back in tomorrow night, and it'll just be interesting to see if anybody decides to to. Uh, uh, take a flyer on Mike Riley. There's a, uh, you know, a year and 
change left on his deal, uh, almost two years left on his deal. Uh, he, he'll salary, he'll make $4 million next year. It's a $3 million cap hit. So, you know, he got through it uh, once at the start of the season when it's probably a little easier to get guys through when when teams' rosters are, are set for the first game of the season. But now, you know, when with teams who are off the starts that they didn't expect to get off to, uh, you know, maybe somebody will take a take a chance on Mike Rowell. Not that, the, that he's a guy you take a chance on. He's a pretty good player. He just might be a little uh, too expensive. I mean, he is a little too expensive for the Bruins right now with what they have. $3 million for a guy who's probably best slotted on your second or third pair is a little bit much for, for teams to maybe deal with, especially the contending teams who are tight to the cap. I covered the mm-hmm. Ottawa Senators for a couple of years and, and was around when they claimed Mike Riley. And, and he's one of those guys who's, who's quick and he's, he's good skater. Um, believe he's a right shot. Correct. Am I? No, he's no, a left, left shot right. defender. Um, yep. But you know, good skater. He's, he can be active in the offensive zone, you know, but you probably don't want him playing 25 minutes a night. So there's a ton of teams who could be interested in a guy like that. There's a lot of teams who are maybe a little bit short defensively. You know, the flames have, have a bunch of injuries on the blue line. I, I just don't know if they're going to take a flyer on, on another left shot defenseman who's who's making three million dollars. Yeah. But, but, what was wondering about what was was the Senators? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. they, they put Zaitsev on uh, on waivers. Um, you know, he made more money than than uh, had a higher cap hit than my, than Mike Riley, and there's a relationship there. I think uh, they you know, he, Riley always speaks very highly of of the coach there. So who knows? He looked good in Ottawa. I was surprised when, when he didn't stick around. So we'll see what happens with Mike Riley, and you're right. That was one of the things I hadn't brought up yet on the show. Nikita Zaitsev also on waivers. Magnus Helberg on waivers for those listening who are interested in the waiver wire. Teams might need a goalie. Maybe the Toronto Maple Leafs. They have a ton of injuries. Anyways, we're talking about the Bruins here with you, Steve, so I won't get too much into what's going on with <laughs> Toronto. If Charlie McAvoy does play on Thursday, and the signs certainly point in that direction, can you just explain how important and how things change for the better with Charlie McAvoy in the lineup? Well, you're basically adding a second number one defenseman because Hampus Lindholm has played like a number one, you know, through the first 12 games of the season or what was it, 13 games of the season. Um, you know, it's right right now it looks like they're going to start playing, start, you know, McAvoy with Lindholm, but, but I would imagine at some point you might – uh, Jim Montgomery might want to uh, break them up and have, you know, McAvoy and Lindholm on the ice for, you know, two-thirds plus of, of a game. Um, it, 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 you know, it, it's it's a terrific one-two punch on defense, and one's, one's right-handed, one's left-handed. Uh, it, you know, it, it really solidifies their defense core. Lindholm is looking like such a great maneuver for the Bruins so far, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been he's been terrific, and you know, uh, you know, Don Sweetie has taken a beating in the past, or even before this this uh, you know uh, this Mitchell Miller thing, which is a you know a whole different subject. But he's taken a beating in, on some of the drafts, and, and you know, rightly so. He you know he whiffed quite a bit on uh, in the 2015 draft, <laughs> but what he has done has been able to make some deadline, a couple of deadline deals um, with some some draft capital. Uh, some prospects uh, and turn it into, you know, Taylor Hall and, and Hampus Lindholm. And, you know, everybody thinks that it's, you know, the, they're at the precipice of a cliff here with 
Bergeron and, and Krejci may be playing their last season, but I'm not sure it's good they're going to fall off the cliff quite as as precipitously as you know some people may think because they still have you know some pretty good players. I've been. I think one of the questions I was asking in the preseason with the Bruins is are they going to be able to kind of stay afloat with, with the injuries that they had to their blue line? And I didn't expect that Brad Marchand was going to come back as soon as he did. Um, same with Charlie McAvoy. I thought maybe they were going to be out a little bit longer, but we've seen a team that despite some of the players that have been out, and I mean David Krejci um, has missed some games as well, and there was maybe some questions, Patrice Bergeron's getting older, et cetera, et cetera. But this is a team that's off to an 11-2-0 start to the season. Despite whatever injuries, despite whatever age curve questions there's been, the Boston Bruins are one of the best teams in the league right now. How is that happening? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because the mantra in, in preseason was that they have to get off to a good start. They have, they have to pull up their socks and, and, you know, figure out a way to overcome the loss of, two, you know, a, a number one defenseman, Charlie McAvoy, and, a, you know, a first-line left wing in, in Brad Marchand. And, you know, they were ready to go for, from the drop of the puck this year. And it's, you know, it, it has gotten them, got, that mentality has gotten them through this portion of the season when maybe other teams might not have been so focused. I mean, we definitely saw with the New York Islanders last season how they basically started 400 meters behind the start line because they had the road trip, they had COVID issues, but they had some injuries and they just never could could catch up. And and we're not we're not seeing that with the Bruins. They are off to a great no. start. I mean, when you look at this team and you're watching these games again, off to an 11-2-0 start, what is clicking so well when when the Boston Bruins are on, which they have been? What what is this team doing so well that's been difficult for teams to deal with? Well, it, it starts in net. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, Linus Zalmark has been very good, um, and he's had to be because, you know, especially early on, you know, they were trying a, 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 a Jim Montgomery was instituting a, a more aggressive attack style where, uh, you know, with defensemen are given a little more leeway to jump into the play to make it kind of a four-man attack. And there was some there was some rough moments early on in this system and you know he Linus Allmark was there and he has pretty much made all the stops that he's need, need needed to make and more um so it starts there and then you get you're getting depth scoring um from the third and fourth line which has been a problem for the last few years for this team um a guy like Nick Felino who everybody thought was you know ready to go on the scrap heap he has you know you know, made a pretty good comeback here. I don't think he's going to score 20 goals again, but he's contributing every night in various ways, whether it's being physical or, or you know, retrieving pucks or whatever it is. Uh, Charlie Coyle is off to a very good start, playing very well no matter who his wings are. Um, so they're getting contributions up and down the lineup. And a, a guy like Connor Clifton, you know, has, has stepped in and, and been, you know, a, an impact player and has been able to – You've stepped up to, into some of Charlie McAvoy's minutes as well, so it's really it's really been a team effort for them to be where they are right now. What changes have you seen from Jim Montgomery behind the bench versus Bruce Cassidy last season? Well, as far as dealing with us, uh, Bruce was always a you know tell it like it is kind of guy, and you know he was never like really insulting towards players or anything, but you know he would say you know. Who did what wrong? <laughs> and uh, you know, it, that, that, I guess that can grade on on some players. Some may handle it a, bit, a little bit better than others. 
And now uh, Jim Montgomery is, is a lot more careful in, in how he assesses individual players. Um, so that's the that's one of the biggest changes. And as far as on ice, the, the biggest changes is what I mentioned there, the just the four-man attack and, and, you know, maybe, you know, living with an odd man rush every now and then. Before we let you go, is there one other thing that you haven't mentioned that Flames fans, the Flames, people watching this game are going to need to look out for when we're talking about the Boston Bruins on on Thursday night against Calgary? Uh, well, the special teams is, have been very good. Um, the, the the penalty kill uh, the other night, Monday night, you know, they took three penalties in the first ten minutes of the game, and I think they they allowed two shots on those three penalties. Um, the the kill has been very good, and now the now the power play is starting to round into form a little bit. Um, they were trying to force the puck to David Pasternak on that elbow where he's so dangerous, and he was just just getting picked off and sent the other way at the start of the season. And you saw uh, on Monday night Patrice Berger on the game winner on the power play. He was wide open in the bumper, and I can't remember the last time I saw him that wide open in that spot. And he's deadly from that spot. Mm-hmm. I guess the last one from me is David Pasternak. Are we seeing another level from this guy? Is this just what's expected? He's just off to a great start, 20 points in his first 13 games. Yeah, yeah, he's he's playing very well. You know, he was focused. You know, he went through a, a personal tragedy, uh, in not last summer, but the summer before, and it really weighed on him quite a bit. I don't know if you know, you know, he lost his, his infant son six days after, after birth. Yes. Um, and that really weighed on him. It was tough on him, um, you know, the early part of the season. He got off to a little bit of a slow start. And, you know, this past summer, he really wanted to focus on, you know, having a good start and having, a you know, a good season. Of course, you know, it's a contract year for him, and we'll see what, where that, that goes. <laughs> but, uh, it's, you know, he's off to a terrific start. Players are typically pretty good when, they, when they're playing for their next big cash-in. So you're right on that the one. Ones are. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for the time, Steve, and, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Great. Thanks, Haley. There goes Steve Conroy from the Boston Herald on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. That chat brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. So that was great from Steve. A little bit of scouting the enemy, the Calgary Flames taking on the Boston Bruins on Thursday night in Boston. That's all the time we have today on Hockey Central 960. Just a reminder that you can listen to Hockey Central 960 on demand. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Please give us a rating and review. We'd appreciate that very much. And we'll be back on Thursday at one o'clock on Sports at 960 The Fan.